Hey, y'all, it's Angela. I'm back, and I'm super excited to be talking to the founder and president of LBL Event Rentals, and she's going to be sharing with us all about goals and how to set goals for yourself as the owner as well as for your team. And I would say over the years, this is probably the one key ingredient that if you don't set goals for yourself as a leader and ask your team if they have goals that they want to set for themselves. And you know what? Some people, they don't even know how to think that way. And so as a leader, being able to bring your team along. You got to meet them where they are and then work with them on bringing themselves up to specific goals. And sometimes having too many goals can be a bad thing. And then some people just don't want to do any of it. So we're going to talk a little That's bit true. about that today. <laughs> so Lisa Anheuser, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy. Well, before we jump into um, this, how to set a goal and how to how to fight through it, especially how to be flexible in this um, crazy time, how did you get started in uh, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner? Did you grow up around that? Did you have parents? Did you have mentors? Take us back. Let us know your childhood. Where are you from? And how have you gotten to where you are today? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's episode is being brought to you by GSD Academy, where I personally walk you through my four-step process. With personalized videos, I give you downloadable templates and so many resources. So if you're serious about changing your life and your business and you're ready to GSD, that is get shit done, go to bit.ly slash GSD Academy. Well, I did grow up around it, in it, um, and it's crazy when I think about it now because it seems like, wow, I was, that's a really young age to start <laughs> working in a shop by myself. But my parents, uh, I grew up in Delaware, so really tiny town, 2,500 people, which I had to go back and check that it can't possibly be that small. And yesterday, <laughs> uh, you know, this is what, 50 years later, and uh, the town is, 6,900, so wow. not very big, <laughs> but, 
but um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a, a really nice atmosphere for somebody to really catch the entrepreneurial bug. And my grandmother had a um, antiques business and my uh, dad had a fireplace business called the Fireside Shop. And at 12, <laughs> I, because we moved when I was 14, so I remember at 12, coming home, dropping off my stuff, getting a snack and going to relieve my mom at the shop, which was just down the block on Main Street. And so she could go home and make dinner (laughs) and, uh, and take care of my brother who was five years younger than me. And I ran the shop. I could calculate zebric on a wall. I could calculate how much mortar you needed. (laughs) And I handled, uh, and I handled the cash register, um, at 12. So, you know, I started really young with my grandmother going out to garage sales and doing garage sales and doing antique shows. So I handled money all the time. Um, And it just gives you that bug. Um, You want to do it for yourself because it's so fulfilling. Every time you help somebody, it's an instant gratification, instant reward. So uh, I started in out of college. Well, actually, while I was in high school, um, I was working in the personnel office. (laughs) And then in college, uh, I would come back summers and work. And after college, when you go out and start looking for a job in marketing and advertising, and they tell you what the starting salary is, it's like, uh, I was making more in retail. (laughs) Right. You're like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up staying in retail, which kind of was defeating the purpose of going to college because I didn't want to do retail. (laughs) But um, I stayed in and ended up being a store manager for um, several companies. And in doing that, we did bridal shows all the time. So we would go and um, go to the various hotels and set up our bridal registry, talk to brides. And one day um, I made comments about a rented the linen that they had, which was the first time that the hotel had rented a linen. And they basically said, put your money where your mouth is. And I took a job making chair covers and sashes for a wedding that they had in two weeks. And boom, I was in business. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) uh, I know, I know. So then when the company I was working for went out of business, And everybody said, well, what are you going to do now? I said, I guess I'm going to rent these chair covers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I was on my way. So that was 24 years ago, uh, 1996. Okay. And I am now the oldest linen company in Houston, which is really cool. Wow. (laughs) And have learned a lot. And now I am in the midst of selling my company, which happened before this uh, um, interesting time that we're in now. And uh, it's a three-year deal. So now my title has gone from owner to founder and president. And I continue to run the company. Um, But I also have a coffee company (laughs) 
because you know when you have five minutes free you start something else absolutely and, that's what entrepreneur I yeah that <laughs> is I, I did shut down my antique store because it was just taking too much time away from my main focus um and we moved my warehouse so it's just just been a really big time of transition and what I'm moving into is like my next stage in life which is um working with small businesses in the wedding industry and trying to help them uh, learn from the lessons I learned over my 24 years, um, help them get off to a better start and hopefully um, become successful and profitable quicker than I did. <laughs> yeah. And also learn how to set goals and look to the future and think about exit strategies, which are all part of our, our goal setting. Oh my gosh. It's when some people, when they're like, so when are you going to exit? I'm like, uh, never. Like, what do you mean? Exit? <laughs> like, I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, years ago, like, you know, surrounding myself with business the right people and never understood what that meant. <laughs> right. And so like for people that are listening, if you are a startup or you're brand new in business, please perk up and pay attention. I know you can't even think about like starting something and then getting rid of it or selling or exiting, but guys, it's a real thing. And like, I blink and when people are like, oh my God, you've been in this industry for two decades, y'all, that's 20 years. They're like, did you start when you were two? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm older than I look thanks to my mother's good genes and my father's well, good genes. that genes. is excellent. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, yes, I did actually grow up in this industry and uh, like in the events industry. And so exiting is a real thing. And, um, you know, so really like perk up and pay attention. I do want to ask before we jump into the goal setting though, like how has your business had to pivot? And like, I'm just wondering like where I'm from, I couldn't tell you the last time we used a chair cover. And so do you see those coming <laughs> yeah. back? So that's the first question. And then how have things changed with um, you know, the pandemic and do, are you all having to pivot in any way for your business? Well, you know, I've been thinking about how we have, how we have changed over the years and it really is a complete 180 from where we started because when we started, it was all about chair covers. Um, ballroom chairs were awful things um you know right. they had never been cleaned they had stain gravy stains from the uh kiwanis and key club and jc meetings from years past and uh everybody wanted to cover or well it was a luxury i'm gonna say it was a luxury 24 years ago but through marketing and awareness we made it a staple um, we talk to people constantly about, you know, you can change a ballroom just with chair covers. And we didn't sell table linens. They used the hotel linens, which were 85 squares, and they overlapped two of them. And you had those little points lap length. But nobody cared about that because, right. <laughs> you know, a white tablecloth was a white tablecloth. Yep. Didn't have to go to the floor. Nobody saw the table legs if you put a chair cover there anyway. Yep. So we had we chair pretended? covers in 16. <laughs> oh yeah. We pretended that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 16 different colors. 
we had them in poplin we had them in sateen we used really excellent fabrics uh you know they were expensive to make but they paid out so quick yeah uh, we had two-tone chair covers we had self-tie we had fitted uh you name it you know we had it and we had sashes in every color and we constantly uh were adding to our inventory then shivari chairs <laughs> and once shivari chairs came business? out <laughs> it it was a pivot it was a yeah. pivot but the one thing in my in my business is you know i was in it because i loved it i was not in it at that point because i wasn't thinking smart <laughs> i didn't have goals and i was in it to enjoy it and to help the customer help the client uh, mm -hmm. help my brides i wanted everybody to have their dream wedding and it was all about you know the instant gratification of making someone so happy and you know i wasn't thinking about later on i wasn't thinking about down the road so i reinvested all of our profit back into the company and i was making linens which i loved going out and finding fabrics for linens mm -hmm. so here i'm making all these linens um and i'm using all my profits from my chair covers to make these linens so when it happened that shivari chairs took over and ballrooms started buying new chairs because they had to compete with all of the new venues that were coming on the scene um, we stopped getting those chair cover rentals but i was ready i had linens and napkins mm -hmm. and every once in a while you know we would do chair covers only but the norm was now chair covers and linens then all of a sudden it was just linens right now i had a warehouse sale probably three years ago and sold off 90 percent of my chair covers um, the only thing that we have now is spandex because no one wants that big bulky self-tie chair cover no one wants the additional cost of a bow they want to streamline they want uh, a really nice linen and they're going to use the ballroom's chairs because the chairs are much nicer now and they might want a cushion cover but i mean pretty much chair covers are gone and i don't see them really coming back yeah i mean there's too many chair choices <laughs> like yeah. i go to some of these conferences like i'll go and speak at them and i'm like holy shit, there's another new chair and there's another and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, from Nashville. And so we are a tad bit behind, I would say from like New York and LA. And, you know, some people are like, how much is that chair? And I'm like, oh, it's $22. They're like per <gasps> chair. Wow. Yeah. So like we've gotten two new lines of chairs and the way that it's crazy, like it, the way that it works is like these companies, like rental companies they sign an exclusive agreement like there's one specific type of chair right now that you can only get them at this one place which luckily we have a great relationship with that place but it's <laughs> almost like the ch the chairs are like children you have to like the way they have to transport them and they're so fragile um, and people don't understand. They're like, $20 a chair. Can I just buy chairs for that? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like 
the labor to keep them clean and like the covers and the launder. I mean, it is all about the labor and they're heavy and you can't stack them and there's a storage problem. And there's so much that people have no idea what goes in behind the scenes to it. So I totally get And I have to tell you, that is like one of the biggest things. I used to have chairs and that was one of my... (laughs) when I really made my last pivot and I really hunkered down, set serious goals, um, got really serious about my business. Um, about eight years ago, I made a serious decision to sell off all of my rental items because the upkeep and the maintenance was unbelievable. And Houston it's horrible, but we are one of the cheapest markets and it is terrible because people decide one day I'm going to be a rental company and they start doing it out of their garage. Well, I'm an established rental company. I have serious overhead. I have equipment. I mean, I just bought a $46,000 press. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and each washer is nine grand. I mean, you know, I'm not doing this on a home washer and an iron, you know, it's very expensive, my overhead. So we have had to pivot in a lot of ways and reevaluate our goals, reset our goals, restructure and decide, you know, what we were going to do. And, and right now it's, I'm very grateful that I did that, um, when Harvey, when we had Hurricane Harvey here, uh, mm-hmm. was when we made a serious shift and it was by accident that it happened, but, um, it's something that's sustained us. And right now it's the only income that we have. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. it's been, it's been an eye opener and it's been, but it's amazing. Tough. Like, <laughs> People think that, oh my God, COVID, oh my God, hurricane, oh my God, tornado, oh my God, flood. Like, I mean, I think this is, this is like our third real recession that we have had in the creative events space. And something great always comes out of it. Like those of us who figure out how to pivot and figure out how to do something else that have the entrepreneur-itis bug then we figure it out and then we come out on top. And then for those people who typically are doing it out of their garage and using an iron and um, which that is how, like you said, a lot of people get started. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But typically when you go through a recession, those businesses completely go away because they, they can't make it and they don't have a lot of skin in the game. And y'all, when she's talking about a press, she's talking, so Lisa, a lot of people who aren't in linens or they don't understand, like, (laughs) steaming linens, you guys, like, this press is, like, the most incredible thing you've ever seen. It's, like, the hottest, biggest iron you've ever seen where you, like, send fabric through it and it, like, comes out on the other side with no creases. And so, um, like I'm psycho about steaming. I think we get like three new steaming stations every year, probably like the Rowena's or however you say it. And they're like, Oh, they're $500. They'll last you. Oh my gosh. The greatest iron ever. Yeah. 10 years. I'm like, bullshit. We use the hell out of it. It lasts one season and then we're on to the next one. 
but we love those steaming stations because they make our, our linens and everything look flawless. And those little details matter. That's why people hire us is because we see the details in every little thing. So jumping into the goal setting. So if someone's listening and they could be a seasoned business owner or they could be a new business owner. And if, if you've never set goals, like where should they start even setting goals or a goal? You, you really need to start by, and I firmly believe this, I had to do it and um, it was very um, eye-opening. Um, Several years ago, I went to a, a business mastery seminar and, you know, it's not for everybody, but, um, you know, if you have the opportunity, it's an amazing experience to do something like that uh, because you end up in a group of other people who are all there um, with no qualms about sharing information about talking about the, the good things and the bad things and helping you understand what you're doing that doesn't work and what you can do that does work. Uh, it was such a collaborative uh, thing. And you can do it by just contacting mentorship groups and talking to other professionals. Um, there's a lot of round tables out there. I know Silver Fox uh, has uh, groups all over the country. And then also, and these are all retired CEOs and um, business owners. And then also SBA has SCORE, where you're able to talk to guys. Um, and I have to preface that they are mostly guys. I would really try if you were a woman-owned business. Yes, I did too. My Looking mentor was for a something um, years old. In here in yes, yes. I definitely suggest finding a women's um, business uh, group or a executive women's group where you can find like-minded women, um, but just find those resources of people. And they don't have to be in your industry because a lot of times, you know, the things that we're struggling with are universal. And the one thing that I say start with is your personal goals. What are your personal goals? Because if your personal goals do not fit into the career that you've chosen or the career that you've chosen doesn't lend itself. You need to figure that out now uh, in the beginning and make the appropriate changes, you know, either hire a general manager uh, to do the day-to-day -day operations or look at a new career because down the road, it's going to make you miserable. And that is not how you succeed in life. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I hate to say that, but I wish someone had told me all of those things a lot earlier, if I had learned those things a lot earlier. Um, 
you know, as a business owner, we are chief cook and bottle washer, and we take so many of those things on, and we don't want to relinquish it because we can do it better than everyone else. Well, guess what? <laughs> the accountant can do it way better than you. Yep. The bookkeeper can do it way better than you. An actual lawyer is going to do it a lot better than you messing with rocket lawyer. Um, give up those jobs that you don't want to do and focus on the things that you do really good. Most entrepreneurs are very creative and not good business people. And a lot of businesses fail because you're not a good business person. Um, I know that you think you know your business better than anyone else, but there are a lot of areas that you don't. And you need to set the goals for your business based on what you really can do and what makes you happy. Um, I wish that I had known that sooner. I probably would have changed a lot of things. Um, but look at your personal life. You know, what are you spending too much time on? What areas can you give up in your business so that you can have more freedom and flexibility in your personal life and actually make uh, make the two work seamlessly and, and flow together and create a, a joy of your job again. And that's whether you're an employee or you're a business owner, because um, goal setting is for everyone. And you have to have clear cut goals, even when you go into a job. If your boss doesn't have those clear cut goals, then you need to approach them and suggest, can we set some goals um, for both of us so that I understand the aspects of the business that I need to focus on and know when I'm succeeding and when I need to refocus. So uh, goals, personal goals, group goals, business goals, everybody needs to be involved. Do you remember your very first goal when you first started doing this and how long did it take you to get there? <laughs> I, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to get my first, I wanted to see my, you know, my goals were small and they were so immediate. Um, you know, I wanted my, I wanted to see my first phone book ad. I wanted to get my first big job and you know it's be careful what you wish for because you might get it <laughs> and if you right. don't have uh, uh good goals in place uh what are you going to do with it i uh, i remember wanting my own i started you know in my house uh, i was one of those businesses um, i think we all did and yeah. you know, I couldn't wait until I had my first shop and then I opened my first shop and then I had my first SBA loan. And then it was like, man, put on the brakes because this train is moving way too fast. Mm -hmm. And I would say that more businesses, it's crazy. I know, but more, more businesses fail because they have too much business than not enough. <laughs> and we're always wishing for more but are we ready for it? Right. And I think that that is a, that's a scary thing. That's a really scary thing. 
Um, you know, I, I sold my first business because I was scared. I had debt and employees and, oh my God, what am I doing? You know, (laughs) wow. You know, can I, can I really do this? Um, I think that seriously restructuring and, and knowing the second time around, which it only took me about six months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the second time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was an eye opener because when I sold my first business, I sold it to a ser- a big rental company. Um, I learned all of the things that they were doing right, but I learned all the things that they were doing wrong. So I went back through SCORE. I wrote a a very detailed business plan. I had serious goals. I understood the economics of, um, of scale. I knew that I couldn't do it the way I did the first time. Um, you can't just have, oh, this person wants 10 chair covers. No, or 10 tablecloths. No, you had to start out with a sizable quantity and you had to set your prices so that you could uh, be sustainable. That was my biggest thing. Is you had a minimum and you knew that you had to have a minimum in order to be profitable. And what I'm hearing is, when we first started this conversation is you would do it all for the customer and do it all for the client, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're not being profitable and you do not know your minimum and you do not know your overhead, it puts you pretty much into debt, debt, debt bankruptcy. Yes. So so I just wanted to make sure that we pulled that out for people that are listening because this is key. You have to know your numbers. You have to know. So how did you learn this? (laughs) You have a minimum cost for every job that you take. There is a base cost. It's overhead. Those are your hard costs. And it doesn't matter what you rent to that client. If you take that client on, you have a minimum amount that you have to make for that job to be profitable. And then on top of that, for a rental company, you know, you have to take into account the items that you rent. So what you charge uh, as a planner, as a florist, there are hard costs involved. Hard costs before you ever put one piece of linen, china, floral on a table before you walk in those doors, when you open your doors at the beginning of every month, there is a minimum cost that you are going to incur to be in business. And your goals and your profitability have to take that into account because you have to have a minimum number of clients to spread that out and to be reasonable. You have to have a minimum number of clients every month so you are automatically taking that amount dividing it out by that minimum number of clients and you are setting sales goals for the month because you have to meet those sales goals 
exclusive of rentals or hard goods or things that you're buying for that client that you have to make to open your doors every month. And if you're not doing that, if you're not figuring out what those costs are and setting your goals accordingly, you are not going to be in business or you are going to have mountains of debt. Massive, <laughs> massive. So, yes. I mean, again, it's a lot of us start out where it's like, oh, we're just doing it for fun or it's, it's extra money. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. But for people yes. who do this full time, and we have overhead, we have taxes, like a lot of people that I coach, they, they're like, I don't really have overhead. I'm like, really? Do you have a car? Do you put gas in it? Do you have a cell phone? Do you have a computer? Do you <laughs> invest in any software? And they're like, oh yeah, well, I guess I did like that online internet? thing. Do you yeah. have a hosting company? Yeah. A website. Yeah. Social media. Like and, and, and time, your time is valuable. Even if it's you and you're a solopreneur, like your time is still valuable. And so teaching people to like really step back and think about that is, is very, very important. Um, so how did, and it sounds like with you going into like your second business, you got to reap the benefits of exiting a business, understanding, okay, can't do that again. Let's do this the right way. How did goal setting like change your business? Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, okay, so let's say I did, I did step back and I started over from scratch. Now I have a whole world of knowledge, but did I learn all my lessons? I would say no, because then, <laughs> you know, now I'm a totally different business than what I was the first time. Um, you know, now I'm a corporate structure, you know, I incorporated, now I have all these new taxes that I didn't think about and here. I'm trying to do my own payroll. You know, I thought, Oh, assisted payroll. Yeah, I can do that. You know, that's, that's no big thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> that brings in all other kinds of expenses that I didn't take into account. So now I've got to reevaluate those goals again. So I went through, uh, it did change a, a lot of how I looked at it. Um, after the first, I would say five years back in business, I did accidentally hire a business coach, um, which was the greatest thing that ever, ever happened. Um, fell into my lap. He cold called me and, you know, it was during the, um, the housing uh, crisis. He had been a general contractor. Um, he had run a big firm um, and he was doing business coaching and I felt bad for him. And I said, Oh, you know, I'm going to give him a chance. And, you know, he came in, it was the best thing I ever did. He came into my business with a fresh set of eyes. He had absolutely no clue what I did. So I had to give my elevator pitch. Then I had to explain in detail everything that we did. I had to tell him what we charged for it, how we took our money in. And he immediately saw, um, you're totally in the red. <laughs> you are not making money here. These are the things that you need. To, and of course, you know, we're very protective of our business. Oh, how can you say that? Oh, that can't be true. Mm -hmm. Numbers don't lie. 
numbers do not lie. And there were a lot of minor changes that he made in my business that made the world of difference and helped me recalculate, reevaluate, um, and see things in a whole new light. And at the same time that this was going on, um, I ended up becoming the treasurer for our soccer club. And it was a whole new goal setting because our soccer club had operated in the negative forever. And our president was stepping down and he had personally guaranteed a loan for our club. And he didn't want to be on that loan anymore. So all of a sudden we had to make money. And using these same simple steps of goal setting and financial planning for the future, we were in the black in six months. And that's what wow. I did with my business as well. I started operating in the black. Now, let's figure out by goals, how am I going to change the way that I operate going forward and reassessing those goals on a regular basis in order to account for increased uh, costs, increased um, employee expenses, increased benefit expenses, because as you grow, you have to offer more to keep those people. So you have to constantly reevaluate these things. You can't just do it, uh, oh, I did that, you know, five years ago. Well, I'm sure costs have increased in five years. Your overhead's increased. Um, and just like we talked about how business shifted, profits are not the same. The, the way that you make your profit is not the same because profit on a tablecloth is way different than profit on a chair cover. Right. Um, profit on, you know, this wedding with an increased cost in labor for a planner uh, is not the same. You have to take all of that into account, you know, and you have to look at it every time you give somebody a raise, every time, um, you sign a new electricity contract every time your landlord changes your rent structure. Um, you have to do that. And that's the way that you succeed. And, and you also can pivot your business to see what income streams am I not taking advantage of what income streams are more profitable than others? When furniture was not profitable for us, we pivoted, we got rid of that furniture, and we learned that laundry was the key. Going through Harvey, we started doing laundry for people because they were in a bind. And it ended up being something that more people needed going forward because they wanted to provide in-house linens. But the amount that they were paying uh, a person to stand there with an ironing board and an ironing or, you know, iron, yeah. uh, whether it was a Rowenta or not, <laughs> was exorbitant. And we could do it for, you know, dime on the dollar of what they were spending to do it because we had a 126 inch flat work ironer. A tablecloth goes a flat through a flat work ironer in two minutes. It takes a person hand ironing, you know, wash Five, time, <laughs> you had dryer, 
press. Um, and, you know, we go out and do concierge. We also uh, came up with ways to make, uh, you know, money, which was concierge services. So we will go out and on-site press. Now, we're not pressing the entire linen. All we're doing is taking out fold marks, um, the crease from it going through the press. Mm -hmm. And that in itself, you're looking at five minutes of cloth you know, to do that. Okay, not five minutes, maybe two and a half. But still, uh, you know, you're taking time. And that's for somebody who's very skilled and does it <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, all of those things, you know, have to have to come into an, you know, into account for that business to offer something that we offer at the same price. They can't, it's not doable. So you know, by us providing that service, we're pivoting. We're pivoting um, the, the services that we offer and the way that we make our money. And it gives us greater flexibility through hard times to help other businesses cut costs and maintain our employee base. I don't so think there's that's anybody a, in Nashville a great that thing. does that. <laughs> I'm like, can you just come to Nashville or like expand in Nashville? I mean, it's a very labor intensive thing, but it it makes all the difference. Venture, yes, but it's like, until you get into someone's industry and you really understand it, people they don't think like that. They're like, okay, how can I use math here? Like, how many cloths times how many minutes we have to set up times how many people, how many machines, like. I've it's, got a spreadsheet. <laughs> I bet you do. I can I mean, tell you all of that. <laughs> it, but, but, but like until you get into major production and running major production, people don't think that way. Like it's until you do it one or two times and you're like, oh, geez, I'm never going to do it that, that way again because that was so stressful. Like right. there has to be a better way. And there usually is a better way. So there how usually is. having personal goals – how, like, what is an example of personal goals and how do they influence your professional goals? Personal goals, um, think about your standard of living. You know, how do you want to live? I have a, a really good goal sheet. And if anybody goes, you know, on my site, um, they can send me an email and I will send them uh, this measures and metrics um, personal goal sheet. And what it asks is, you know, how comfortable are you with your quality of life? You know, how do you rate your quality of life? You know, do, am I happy with how much money I'm bringing home? Am I happy with how much time I spend with my family? Am I happy, um, you know, in my, in my social life? You know, all of those things are affected by your job. If you're working 24-7, you don't have time for relationships and friendships and going out and doing things. Um, you're spending all of your time focusing on the job. And as a business owner, I felt like I was always squeezing out time for my family because I didn't have my personal goals in order. Uh, I wanted to spend time going to my kids' soccer games. I wanted to go to their football games. I wanted to go out to dinner, you know, with my husband. But did I have that time? You know, instead, I was spending time with my kids 
on a job site. <laughs> you right. Know, I'm going to take my kids with me so that I can spend more time with them. That's not the way to do it. <laughs> right. Um, we want to look at how much time do we want to spend in our business, uh, on our business, on our business. Very important. And it's a totally different thing. Uh, you can spend a lot of time at your workplace in your business, but are you really spending quality time working on your business? Um, major difference, major difference. But you have to know, you know, what are the things I want to change? And then you have to set your business goals. Uh, this year, I am going to look for a general manager. This year, I am going to hire a bookkeeper. This year, I am going to hire a, a CPA to handle all of my, you know, tax issues, um, handle my payroll. I am going to hire one more person to go out and sell so that I can spend more time working on my business instead of just being there. Because when you're stressed out at home, you're not focused in your job. Nope. And that's nope. very important. So how does this roll over into making sure that your team also has goals? And I mean, I know it's a collaborative effort, but when you ask your team members, hey, what are your goals? Like, do they just come prepared and they're like, okay, Lisa, I want to do this and this and this. And do you hold them accountable to set personal and professional goals? Like, how do you even tackle that? Because I know some, some leaders that I've talked to about this, they, um, I don't know, they have like almost a weird relationship with asking their team like to set professional versus personal goals. They're like, oh, I'll help professional all day long, but their personal life yeah. is none of my business. And so how and do I you think that's that? where. I think that's where a lot of us make a mistake because if they had, what is that? Um, happy, happy wife, happy life. Yep. <laughs> yep. Know? Yep. Um, I, I always remember that. And, and I know that that's very sexist, you know, but it, but that was an old saying. And, yeah. and the reason that that was is because, you know, someone was not evaluating their personal relationships and their personal goals before setting their business goals. And if you're not doing that, then the people in your house are not happy. Um, if you're, if the people in your house are not happy, then you're bringing that stress to work. So if we don't care about our employees and if whether or not they're happy um, at home, then they're bringing that stress to work. And that stress at work shows up in the quality of job that they do. Um, it, it shows up in the tone of voice that they answer the phone, in how they treat the client when they meet with them. You know, how can I care about your event when my, I'm missing my son's birthday? You know, it, it just doesn't work like that. You know, you have right. to help them focus on their life as well. And by... I think a lot of business owners dismiss their employees' 
personal lives. They say that they don't care about their employees' personal life. Oh, I don't want to get into that. I just want them to focus on work. I want them to focus on work the whole time they're here. You know what? We spend more time with our, and we always call it the office family. You know, it is a family. Because you think about how much time you spend with the people in your office, fully awake all the time. Yes, you're at home more physically, but are you mentally with the people in your house as much as you are mentally with the people in your office? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, 40 hours plus a week that you spend in your office, that is your family. You need to care about them and focus on them and treat them the way you would the people in your house. Because if they're happy, then they're going to be productive. And that's such an important thing. I think that you have to sit down together as a team Bring the personal worksheet with you and know what things that you're asking for. No, you're not going to have weekends off because you're in the event industry. It's not going to happen. I have actually no. had people, oh, well, I didn't know I had to work on weekends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, seriously. What plan are this you is a 24. On? Yeah. This is a 24 seven business. Uh, events end at 2 a.m. and we have to tear down. So Yes, you work all the time. You work when the business is there. But then I need to be flexible with you too when you have your time off. So we're going to have to work on a schedule. We need to figure out how you can have your time off and still complete the job that I need you to complete. And uh, those are things that you need to talk about when you're goal setting. Also, be realistic about the amount of money that they expect to make. Um, you know, if you, especially if you operate uh, on commission, if it's strictly on commission, are your expectations of your employees fair if they're working solely on commission? Um, I've seen a lot of people who work on commission and barely make ends meet because, you know, are your expectations achievable? Are they, and, and these are the things, you know, that we have to take into account. We want to set SMART goals, SMART, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. They have to be all of those things to work and they have to be achievable for your employee. Your employee has to feel like they can reach and exceed their goals or they're not going to buy in. So if you don't set those together or you don't take their input into account when you set your goals, neither one of you are going to be successful. So how often should people reevaluate their own goals as well as their team's goals? I think that a lot of corporate companies have it right when they do self-evaluations. When you do a self-evaluation and then you also do a team evaluation, and maybe it's not so formal as, you know, what we're talking about, but you really do need to talk. To, and, and I know as small businesses, we don't want to do that because then, you know, they're going to expect a raise. They're going to, you know, but but you have to sit down, you have to have that communication because if you're not constantly talking, 
about these things. It's, it's just like your marriage, you know, you have to work on it. You have to talk about right. what your goals are. You have to talk about um, how you're going to do things together to succeed. And, and we do need to talk about that. And annually is definitely not too much. Really, we need to talk quarterly or at least have a, a group meeting quarterly. And it's not a bitch session. It's not a point fingers and complain. It's let's talk about all the things that we're doing right. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about the lessons that we learned. Because every setback, every failure is a learning experience. And we should treat it as such. Don't harp on what went wrong. Talk about the lesson that you learned and what you're not going to do next time or what you are going to do next time because positive is always better than negative. And you have to say up front, we're going to meet, we're all going to talk about our goals. No negativity, only come with solutions. I don't want to hear about problems unless you have a solution. So my, I had a boss that told, that always talked about that and always told us that, and, um, I don't want problems. I want mm -hmm. solutions. So whenever we presented something, um, we presented a solution and then why we felt like that solution was important, which was a statement of the problem. Yeah. I love that. You, and it's almost a mindset, like teaching people how to come up with a solution because not everyone knows how to do that. It, I feel like it's definitely over my experience in working with a lot of different team members and a lot of different vendors. It definitely is a mindset that you can yes. help roll over in, you know, into someone else's mindset. So this has been awesome. We're out of time, unfortunately. Oh, I've had such a great time. <laughs> yes. If people want to connect with you, I know that you graciously said that people could email you, lisa at lbleventrentals.com, and you will be happy to share the goal sheet, which thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so needed. And then they can also visit your website, lbleventrentals.com. And are there, what's your favorite social platform to connect on? Um, I would say Instagram, we have such pretty pictures to share and, you know, I try to give tidbits and, and things, and you can also find me at lisaanheiser.com and there I talk about more about the, um, about the teaching moments, about the learning experiences. Um, some of it, you know, people might find irrelevant, but there's a lot of nuggets there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. And everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. And be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Everybody have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled and you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot 
post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.